This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get started here in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there. Books, more podcast episodes, articles. Uh, you should come stay at the Shepherd's House with us. We've got a six-bedroom cabin on 180 acres of beautiful Kentucky land. And you can come up to two days and two nights and bring your wife, Pastor, for free. Stock the pantry of food and everything. You just got to get yourself here. But it has been a really uh, amazing ministry to be a part of. We actually are about to wrap our second year, and we've had around 330 people come and stay at the cabin the last two years, Jim. So right. it's quite an amazing thing that's happened. And um, we're also going to be expanding. We're going to talk more about that in days to come. So exciting stuff happening. Uh, so in light of all that, if you'd like to give a financial gift, you can help support the ministry. Go to the donate page. And you can do that. Uh, we would appreciate that, especially as we come to the end of the year. Uh, end of the year giving is a big part of our financial resources and support. So if, uh, if this has been helpful to you in any way, uh, please uh, feel free to give to us, uh, a gift to the ministry. And uh, we would appreciate that. Help us to continue on what we're doing. Uh, Jim, we want to go to a topic that somebody wrote in and asked us about. And so we would like, times, like to honor what those requests are. And th- that is, how do you bring in new members and acclimate them into uh, the church when they're coming in. So, um, and we can talk about people visiting and how to get them involved. We also talk about the new members coming in uh, to get involved in the life of the body as members and understanding what that commitment is. So Jim, what, what's the, what's a biblical framework for us to just begin this conversation with? Brian, I think we need to just set in order the reality of uh, what the church is. Uh, the church is a, uh, the various analogies, it's a body, uh, it's a family, it's a flock. Uh, these are some of the things that the scriptures talk about. Uh, how do we integrate new, like new, new, like new children into a family or uh, when the kids get married and you're, you're, you're suddenly expanding what the family was and there's a new dynamic uh, in the family than, than what was there previously. The text I think about, Brian, is, is what the Apostle Paul exhorts that we would receive one another uh, this is Romans, uh, the book of Romans, we, that we receive one another just as God in Christ received us to the glory of God. Uh, the context of it is that there's a degree of difficulty. Uh, in that case, it was the difficulty involved in Jews and Gentiles coming together into one congregation. Uh, the Jews had a church, apparently, that uh, was kind of going one way, and then God started saving a ton of Gentiles, and they were incorporated into the church, and things that used to be relatively easy, a kosher church picnic, for instance, is suddenly uh, being contaminated by these, uh, these, these Gentiles, and, and Paul's concern is not so much that you change your diet as you change how you view one another and that you receive these new members just the way that God in Christ received you and do it for the glory of God. I think that's a, a primary uh, reality that we want to see lived out uh, in our congregational life. Let's start as we have this con- start this conversation with what you know. What are some of the what are some of the challenges that a typical church would have in bringing in new members into the church and trying to get them settled into? I mean, for someone to come join the church, so often they have experienced a level of just community and hearing right. the word right. and being fed that makes them want to join the church. But 
Jim, are there challenges once somebody actually tries to become a member of the church and actually become a member of that family? I guess, you know, I guess it can be compared to it's one thing to date somebody yeah. and get to know their family, but it's another thing when you decide to get married and you enter into that family. It's a sense what membership is. Yeah. Uh, what What are some of the challenges that come with that in your mind? Well, I, I think Brian, we want to establish at the, at the outset here. I think we're as we think through this practically, we're probably looking at smaller type churches where there might be a dynamic of particularly in a smaller church very often maybe a, a church plant where there's been a dynamic of life together you planted together you know each other you're involved in each other and then how do you as the church grows as the church gets a little bit larger you're going to lose some of that dynamic uh and and how do you make somebody you know who wasn't there at the beginning who didn't have all this history uh, who, you know, you drop names about people or preachers or events from the past, you know, that can feel isolating or, you know, whatever else. It's just the recognition that there, there is a new dynamic, a changing dynamic. I think if you're a church of a thousand people and new members come in, I think that's it's a whole different conversation than when you have an established membership with a, a common history uh, and you have people that are together in a way that So we're going to admit here, Brian, to a bit of a technical glitch, and that is that we actually pause this recording to help a delivery man. I think that was dramatic effect. Is yeah. What, so if we should I, just let everybody I, know I thought that. I was just going to try to pick up mid sentence where I left off, but I thought somebody's listening to this. As we always say, these are generally unedited. And, this is true. And life happens here at Practical Shepherding. It does. And you were impressed. I busted out my own, my Spanish. Oh, yes, sir. It guy, was so. a Hispanic delivery man, and Brian spoke to him. In broken Spanish. <laughs> it was fabulous. I know Spanish un poquito, so th- th- do not be impressed. That's what's hilarious about it. So. Anyway. All right, get so, back into your thought. Yeah, man. no, so what, what we're talking about, I, I think as we think about incorporating new people into the life of the church, I think there's an emotional connection, there's kind of a family connection, there's a ministry connection. Some of these things are easier to do. You can plug somebody into, hey, here's, here's a place you can serve, here's a... Uh, here's a, a ministry for you to do. Uh, hey, you know, we go out to the jail once a week, or we go out to the nursing home once a month, or we're at the homeless shelter uh, every week. We'd love to get you plugged in. That's, that's one area and aspect of it. But sometimes entering into the emotional life, uh, into the history of people that have been together for a long time. So, Brian, you use the illustration about, and we both talked about this, you know, getting married into a family. Uh, when you first come in and you're, you're meeting people and like I did with my wife, my wife and her sisters had all kinds of verbal shorthand yeah, right. and all kinds of family jokes uh, that they could say a word or a phrase. We would play certain games and they would say a word to each other. Yeah. And if they were on the same team, their, their shared history allowed them to conquer over and over again because they could just – say somebody's name and they would all laugh but they all understood what each other was talking about the brothers-in-law because there were four sisters and the four you know guys who got to marry into the family you know sometimes we were i don't want to make it sound like they were being mean to us or anything like that but again you can feel sometimes like wow i'm really an outsider i've really i i need to get integrated uh into this and i think for older members to understand this and for the pastors to understand this, 
that not that these new people don't understand the verbal shorthand. They don't understand the history of the church unless they're told. They don't know who the you know the the past who the past pastors were or who these preachers are or the books everybody read in the past or the messages everybody listened to or that common core history unless they're invited into it. And I think we need to have a sensitivity to that. And I think we need to have a desire that doesn't look at, uh, you know, the particularly as we are instructing the congregation, not to view new people as a barrier to the kind of life we were accustomed to, that we all enjoyed when we knew each other better and things were smaller and, and all of the rest, but to see this as a gospel opportunity to, to welcome others to an expanding uh, family and something more and greater that God may be doing than what he was doing in the past. Yeah, and I'll speak from a revitalization context of, you know, a lot of times there new members start coming into an old, you know, a church that's been struggling or declining or dying. And you talk to the people who are there and they'll say, oh, we want new people to come. You know, and that's been the... That's just been the issue is we're dying because no new people haven't been coming to the church right. for a long, long time. But what ends up happening is new people start coming and because there's change and because it it change, it messes with things and the feels yep. different. Uh, that's the context I think a lot of this question comes out of too is is you know how how do you create an environment where new members come in feel, welcomed maybe in a church context that they say they want new people but when the new people come they really don't know how to bring them in and how mm-hmm. to welcome them so let's shift to that jim yep. let's let's talk about what are some just practical things that a pastor can do to lead his church to actually receive warmly receive and help them help new members get acclimated into the church let's go back and forth you pick one now, I, th- I think so- some of it's going to be in our preaching and that is that we address these kinds of issues openly. And I believe, my understanding, Brian, of the scriptures, I, th- I think I can prove this statistically, that the primary application, the multiple application of the gospel, uh, as you study it in the scriptures, uh, is that is relational. And that is to say that the application of what God has done for us in Christ our understanding or being overwhelmed with the love of God in Christ is going to show itself in the therefore of how we treat other people. And so Ephesians chapter 4 is a great example of this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And immediately he launches into this matter of unity, lowliness of mind, gentleness, uh, endeavoring. He talks about endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace which is really a striking statement that we have a part and we need to have a knowledgeable part in the pursuing of the unity that the Spirit of God himself has brought into the church. And that if we don't endeavor to do it, if we don't walk with lowliness of mind and with gentleness, if we're not forgiving one another, if we're not walking in love, then we don't really understand or we're not really gripped the way that we ought to be gripped by the dynamics uh, of this union with Christ that we have uh, and the mercy of God that is seen in our in our effectual calling so I I think that that making that part of the application so that when you whatever it's coming to the Lord's Supper or you're rehearsing the gospel in your preaching which we should be doing regularly as we do the work of an evangelist as we're rehearsing those kinds of things that we talk about the relational dynamics uh, 
that are inherent in the application of of Christ's work on our behalf. Yeah, that's a good one. I would I would add um, just this just general spirit of hospitality is yeah, a great way. Absolutely. So um, the the idea that we that the the settled members are looking for the new people to uh, invite to their home or to invite out for lunch or whatever it might be. And I would say that the in my experience, and again, going into a church that was almost clo- dead and almost closing, you know, one of the things that I watched happen that really, that really seemed to help turn the church around is when there are a few members that treated newer people coming in that way. And mm-hmm. and this would happen long before people would come be members. Like our church had a reputation of, if you came and visited the church for the first time, this is when we moved to a healthier place. Yeah. You moved, you came and visited and you were our first time visitor. You could get in two, three, four inv- invitations to lunch yeah. for, to the house, to their house or out for lunch or whatever it might be. And when I watched that happen over and over again, that sets a culture that then when those people become members, then they turn around and do the same thing to the newer people who are visiting the church. And that culture gets created of hospitality uh, around that. And so I would I would say one of the, I think the low-hanging fruit is to be able to have certain people in the church who, you know, who are very hospitable, who love that kind of thing, to be mindful, to encourage them to look for the newer people to potentially invite to come to their home in, in different ways. I'm going to piggyback on that, Brian, and say this. One of the things that we've tried to do, my wife especially has reminded me of this regularly, is that if we're going to have a new couple over, have an older couple over as well. That's good. And and that way, you know, so you're you're kind of integrating. And even sometimes if if you have the time and ability to think through this, think about families that may be in a a very – that either – that you think – I think this this couple could be a real help to this couple or that these families I think would be extremely compatible but they haven't met each other yet and so create the environment where you say hey we're going to have people over after Sunday night our famous thing frozen pizza and uh, somebody told me once you eat frozen pizza I bake the frozen pizza just in case somebody's and, and not and popcorn and popcorn and popcorn right there you okay. go that was why I was going to bring that, that out, out. Got to bring the popcorn out. So my wife makes the popcorn or my daughter makes the popcorn. I usually do the pizza. But so, yeah, so pizza and popcorn, very easy to do. And maybe, again, if you think ahead of a time on Saturday, I'll grab another pizza or whatever it is. And you think through who would really be, uh, I want to get to know the new people, but we haven't had some older people over for a while, but I think they would really mesh well. And maybe they, they sit on opposite sides of the church or whatever. They haven't they haven't maybe met each other yet and create that environment yeah. uh, that hospitality allows for. That's a great idea. And and I you know the by the way the frozen pizza and popcorn on Sunday nights legit at Sebastio's house. Just saying. Okay, so that is a that is a great model. But to your point, and I, I would I would say that you know because some people hearing this will think, okay, how you know especially, you know, like a, a, a pastor's thing, like my wife needs to plan. My wife needs to know if somebody's coming. Like we didn't, my family didn't function in a way that we just spontaneous, like, oh, let's see who wants to come over for lunch. We always had that plan. Right. And so that's how we function. But I know people who like threw chili on the crock pot before they left for church. Right. And with the intent of let's make enough. Right. To where if a couple's there wants to come over that we can invite spontaneously. I, I I knew people whose families worked that way. Our family did not. So I, I'm not saying everybody's supposed to function that way. 
But I do think that's a just learning how to be hospitable in your own context. And like you're talking about, for you, it's it's having it's you can and you can get a ton of popcorn and pizza on yeah. on Sunday nights and yeah. and just get enough and you can throw in as much as you need. Like there's just some flexible ways to do that. Yeah. Another one, option or another way to I think to welcome new members in, I'll I'll use is I think that uh, pastors can find can make an active role play an active role to find places for them to serve pretty quickly. Right. So. If our both our churches were this way, um, and a lot of churches that have membership process are this way, that there's a lot of ways. Most ways you cannot serve in the church until you're a member. So once you become a member, now you're able to serve in these different mm-hmm. ways. And so I, I think being thoughtful and proactive as a pastor to figure out ways. I think this this is I used to do this all the time when I do membership interviews. I would be making mental notes of. How is this person gifted? How do they, they're saying they want to serve the church if they became a member. I'm, I'm making mental notes of that. So when they become a member, then I'm actively trying to provide a place for them to potentially plug in and serve mm-hmm. if they would, if they would choose to do that. So one of the ways to make a, a, a member, a new member feel welcome is to allow them to now do something that they couldn't do without being a member. And that's to serve in some different capacities uh, in the church. So anything else come to mind for you? Yeah, Brian, I think uh, being, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, but it's being e- emotionally thoughtful of that when, and I touched on this a little bit, but I want to explain a little further of, of including people into conversations with the recognition that there may be theological terms, historical terms, and even personal church history terms that if you're together and there's a group of you together, and I mentioned you know being there with my, yeah. my, my wife and her sisters, where they had this verbal shorthand, but we, we have that too. And, and if you're in a particular kind of church setting, but somebody comes in, they've never been a part, in my case, of a Reformed Baptist church before, maybe they've never been in a Presbyterian church before, or whatever the case might be, and they don't know who these preachers are, if everybody's talking about this particular guy, Ted Donnelly or Bill Hughes or something like that in my context, and... And that you stop and recognize and say, uh, you you may not know who we're talking about, and yeah. explain a bit. Years ago, Brian, I had a situation that that had a profound impact on me. I was I was I was at a pastor's fraternal, and I sat down to eat. Uh, with the, everybody had gone. It was at a at a hotel, and we'd gone to a Cracker Barrel uh, that was near the hotel. And as I came in and sat down at a table, one of the pastors, his name was Stu, said, first of all, Jim, you know, welcome to the table. He said, do you know everybody here? Mm -hmm. And then he said, we were just talking about this particular situation. And -and so-and-so was informing me of this Uh when you came and sat down. Yeah, that's great. It was so thoughtful. Mm -hmm. It was so welcoming. It was so inviting. He didn't have to do that. And I've not always done that as I should, but that put that front and center in my heart and mind and a sense in my conscience that I need to be thoughtful of this. Uh, I was thinking the other night, we were with a couple of the families. We do a uh, a dinner club that we have on a rotating basis and families get together with different families and move around a, in a quarter from one house to another once a month, have people over for a meal and for fellowship. 
one of these families is uh, they had uh, the wife is from Brazil and her mother has just moved here mm. uh, from Brazil. And and I recognize I looked over and I thought, well, here's six, seven, eight of us all together talking in English rapidly and, and having fun. And I thought several times, I know very, very, very little Portuguese. I did a ministry in Brazil, so I learned a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. But I did look over and think how isolating this must be. Right. And we need to be mindful that sometimes we, we have a language that we speak, that we understand that somebody new may not speak. And again, what I'm just saying is it's being mindful of each other. Just, yeah. just that kind of thoughtfulness and inclusion will do a lot to bind hearts together. Because the reason people very often stay at a church, somebody will come to a church for doctrinal reasons or, or, or ministry reasons, but very often they stay for relational reasons. And that binds their hearts to people when, when they're received and accepted, known, loved, and welcomed. That's an excellent example. I'll give one more. I always, I always enjoy, when we take in new members, the opportunity to treat them as one of my flock. Mm. In a way that I didn't technically or didn't have to beforehand. So, what that meant for me is, you know, I, I have a, I had a the membership list in front of me and prayed through it every month. But the day I prayed for people, I always I reached out, and contacted people in different mm-hmm. ways. And so, one of the things I always lo- and I don't just didn't know a lot of pastors who did that. Most people who came and joined the church, their pastors didn't do that, right? And so, I loved the opportunity to. Uh, their first month as a as a member, when that day of the week, when the day of the month came to their name, to be able to pray for them and then to reach out in some way and let them know, mm. and to really just try to embrace that as a yeah, this is what this means now that you're here. This is this is what it means for me to take responsibility mm. for you, and the impact of that that seemed to do some really important things to get them quickly acclimated to. Oh, I'm a part of this church now. I'm, I'm part of this flock. Yeah. I, I, he is my pastor now, and these people are my people. And I found that me leading in the shepherding of them yeah. immediately Amen. was a really helpful way to accomplish that. So, Jim, we're, we're going to wrap this. Any, any final just thoughts, wisdom, counsel for pastors who are trying just to help them be sensitive to the things we're talking about? Yeah, recognize that you may have some very painful failures in this and, and to, to learn from them and embrace it. Don't just defend yourself. If you if you find out that somebody winds up just saying, I felt extremely disconnected here, that may be on them, but it may also be on you or on the congregation. Just learn from that, embrace that, and you, you may not be able to recover that situation, but sanctify it for the good of the next person that comes in. And just to say, you know, we... We, we don't want this just to be a, a preaching center and a place for them to do ministry, but a family where they become connected and, and feel loved and uh, and prayed over and appreciated and wanted. It's, it's a very strengthening thing. It's always been that case. I think it's particularly so at this particular time in our, our history. That's good. My final word on this uh, is, is just to encourage pastors to love visitors or regular attenders well um, and to you can't you, you can't treat you don't need to treat them like an actual member but I think one of the ways to win people to commit to the church is that they get a little taste of what it's like to have a pastor who cares mm. for them so I would just encourage like I just made a distinction of what it's like to actually be a member and yeah. how you should be shepherded yeah. by the pastors however I do want to exhort you to 
to love everybody who's coming to your church. And there's a way for us to love the visitors well in a way that could win them to become members. And as we think about how do we welcome new visitors, if you do that, and then other people in the church start loving them like in that way, it could be the very thing that draws them in. And it could also be the thing that it, that assimilates them into the body pretty smoothly. So, yeah. uh, so on that note, Jim, will you just pray for wisdom for pastors as they try to welcome new members? Well, sure. our father, we pray that you would so bless our congregations and our ministries that we would have to deal with this. And that is that we would see new people coming and new people staying uh, in our, our, our congregations. It's something we, we all desire uh, Heavenly Father to see, and we pray that you would aid us in wisely loving, not overwhelming uh, new people, but wisely loving them and integrating them in just as you so graciously do when we come to know and love your Son. We ask these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.